0: We got down to verse 23. We talked verse 22 and uh, commented some on verse 23. The 105th Psalm, the 23rd verse. It says, Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. The land of Ham is uh, spoken of in the sense that it's of Egypt as well. And uh, Israel also, and Jacob, notice it's a play on both the words. Israel was his spiritual name, and Jacob was his uh, given name. Jacob means supplanter, and he was surely that, wasn't he, a supplanter. He was a conniver. But God called him Israel, He gave him a name, uh, a new name. By the way, we all get a new name when we're saved. We were what we were by nature, and now we are the children of God. So really, he gives us a, a new name and a new nature when we're saved. But Israel came down into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and it was... Uh, The way that uh, Israel went to Egypt was because that he was brought down there during the famine, if you'll remember. And Joseph had prepared the way for him to come. So in the providence of God, God had prepared the way through Joseph to get Israel down into the land of Egypt. When Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, and that's when he began to desire to find uh, the bread that was to be had down there in the land, of, Egypt. of course, you know the story of how that Joseph was sent before and all the things that uh, happened to him. Verse 24, And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Remember how Israel prospered and became great down in the land of Egypt? In fact, they became so strong that at one time, uh, Pharaoh decided that he wanted to put an end to that increase and had all the baby boys killed at, during the days of Moses later. He turned their heart to hate His people to deal subtly with His servants. And that's what he, he uh, God permitted this to happen. And by the way, notice it says He. He increased them greatly and made them stronger. In verse 25, He turned their heart to hate His people. So God works on both ends of the line for His glory. You see, God's providence was working in what seemed to be bad for Israel for their good. They were in bondage. And, they, and the uh, Pharaoh and all of the Egyptians began to hate them because they increased and because they prospered right in the Moses day in the days before. And it says, He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. You know, God has uh, servants that he sent. Moses is a type of Christ. And Aaron whom he uh, had chosen. Back in the Old Testament, let me see if I can find it for you. In the book of uh, Deuteronomy, let's see what chapter it is, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Moses says, God's going to raise up a prophet like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. And here's uh, Moses' prophecy and prediction of Christ that would be the promised Messiah. And he said, Of his brethren, notice of thy brethren. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, it says in verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him, it was necessary, uh, behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So not only like Moses, but here in Hebrews, like Abraham, like his brethren. And Christ is predicted there. Moses is a type of Christ. Uh, Hold your place where we're studying Psalm 105, uh, verse 26. He sent Moses his servant, and Aaron whom he had chosen. He chose both Moses and Aaron. They showed his signs among them, and wonders in the land of Ham. His signs, if you have a marginal reference, it says words of his signs. So God's signs were by the word of his power. Remember when Moses spoke, and things began to happen, and Moses would speak and take his... A rod and smite uh, various things and bring God's judgments and it was by the word of Moses remember that things happened so the words of Moses went along with the signs and it was God's signs that were being uh, performed and beginning with verse 28 he speaks of the great plagues upon Egypt look at these plagues he sent darkness and made it dark and they rebelled not against his word he turned their waters into blood Remember, God sent a darkness that could be felt. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. When I think of the darkness, I think of when we used to go to Carlsbad Caverns years ago and get down in the bottom and they'd turn the lights all out. And talk about dark. It's dark down there. I mean, you can't see your hand like that. You really can't see it. And then they'd play the song Rock of Ages. Let for me, let for me, let me hide myself in And then it says, he turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings. Remember the frogs that came upon the land, the plague of frogs. And if you'll remember that, uh, as it's recorded, that they were in their bed chambers, that they were in their kneading troughs where they kneaded their dough to make bread, and in their bed chambers. Can you imagine going in the bedroom and there's frogs? Going in the kitchen and there's frogs? Making your bread and there's frogs? And if you remember, old Pharaoh warned the frogs removed. Moses said, When? And Pharaoh says, Tomorrow. And you and I would have said, Right now, quick, hurry. But it shows you that a man that's rebelling against God and in sin had rather put up with a little sin you know, one more night with the frogs, and a lot of people would rather spend another night in their sins than to surrender to God immediately. And then when he did surrender, it wasn't genuine. He repented. He says, I have sinned, but it was only surface. It didn't mean anything. You know, there's a lot of people that said, I have sinned. It didn't really mean it. All through the Bible. One that did, the prodigal son, and we taught on him, he says, I have sinned against heaven against thee. And he did something about it, and he arose and went to his father, didn't he? came to himself, went to his father. The father forgave him and received him. So when you mean it, God will receive you. But if it's just make-believe, then nothing's happened. So, then it says, He spake, and there came divers sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. Here's all these plagues. Darkness and blood and frogs and water in the blood and flies and lice. In verse 32, Hail. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and break the the trees of their coasts, he spake and the locusts came and caterpillars, And that without number. By the way, that's the same insect. Locusts and caterpillars, different stages. If you turn to Joel, turn to Joel chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, That which the palmer worm hath left, the locust hath eaten. Hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, at the caterpillar And these are four different descriptions, or four different stages, the four full stage of one insect. The gnawing locust, when it first is hatched, and then it gets its wings and flies about, and after that it starts its destructive work by licking, and then whatever it finds, and finally it reaches the full growth and devours everything in its path. And there are four different words in the Old Testament. G-A-Z-A-M, for Palmer worm, A R B E H for locust, uh, J E L E K for canker worm, and C H A S E L for caterpillar. The first one means to gnaw off. The next one, next one means to to be many. The locust actually comes in great numbers. And then the next one means to lick off, and the next one to devour or to consume. And so. All of these various stages of the locust completely devour the land. And God likens these, this plague of locusts to um, the devouring forces in this prophecy too in Joel of the last days when various forces will devour uh, the land. The judgment will come. But here back in uh, our psalm it says in verse 34, He spake and the locusts came and the caterpillars and that without number. And did eat up all the herbs in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also the firstborn in their land, the chief of their, all their strength. Remember when the death of the firstborn came? And all these have to do with the plagues of judgment that uh, God sent through Moses. And when Moses would bring this judgment upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, well, uh, they would cry out for uh, relief and Moses would ask God to remove them from time to time. And it uh, seemed like uh, that it, with each uh, judgment, Moses would make a request and say, "Let my people go." God says, "Let His people go," and Moses would harden it. I mean, uh, Pharaoh would harden his heart against Moses and, and against God, and would not let the people go. And it seems like that finally it took the death of the firstborn, didn't it, to wake up Pharaoh enough to to just let them go and says, "Go on, get out of the land." He made compromises with Moses before that and tried to get Moses to compromise and just go a little bit out of the land or go into the wilderness or go so far and then leave the family and then finally leave all of his possessions. But Moses did not accept those compromises. And God will not accept uh, a compromise with you and I. He wants it his way and he'll have it his way because he has a right to, to demand his way. All right, let's look at this. In verse 37, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, he brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. Remember, they spoiled the Egyptians, his people. And they actually, God was paying them back for all their years of suffrage and and service and bondage. And so when they went out of Egypt, they came out with all this silver and gold because God is a good paymaster. And he sees to it that his people get the, get their pay in due time. And they had worked for free and in slavery and in bondage for years. For 400 years. And God says, okay, now is the time for your rewards. And here's who you've been working for. So you just spoil the Egyptians and you take the silver and gold and you, you go out in the land. And it was their just pay. And so... Um, He brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. And thinking of the fact that there was not one feeble person among their tribes, and yet God permitted all the adult generation from twenty years old and upward to die in the wilderness because of their sin of unbelief. Now, they didn't die because they were sick, did they? They died because they brought upon themselves judgment in the future. They didn't die because they were not able to be delivered uh, from the start to the finish, but because they sinned against God, and God had to chasten them. And, some, and, and all it says, all the adult generation from 20 years old and up were died, and He permitted them to die away in the wilderness. And only two men that had faith in God, Joshua and Caleb, because they wholly or fully trusted in the Lord, He permitted to come into Canaan's land. Isn't that amazing? You know, God has everything under control. And uh, if we obey Him, things will work out all right. And if we disobey God, it, it goes bad. That's what happened to Israel. And all of their blessings were counted in an in a earthly and physical sense in those days as far as uh, the outward uh, part of their blessings. We know that they were saved by faith just like we are. And they, in, they go to heaven just like we do. But uh, they only... Uh, were the, the evidence of their, uh, them following God was indicated by the blessings God would bestow upon them and whether or not they would obey the voice of the Lord or not. So it says, uh, There was not one feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. Remember? Old Pharaoh was so reluctant to let them go, and yet the people says, says You know, we're, this is the finger of God. We're all going to be destroyed. His his counselors advised him to, to let the children of Israel go. And they wouldn't... Uh, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take their advice. says, Is not Egypt destroyed? Let them go. And Pharaoh said, "Harden his heart until the very last m- minute. There's a verse that shows you that if people will not hearken to God's word, that uh, judgment is sooner or later going to come. Let me see if I can find it in the book of uh, Proverbs. I think I had it before. Well, yeah, don't seem to find it. I thought I had that particular verse. But I guess not. But anyway, there's a verse that, that tells us what will happen if we don't follow God. And God will bring... Here it is. In uh, Proverbs uh, 19, I found it. Verse uh, 29, it says... Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. And so when God's warnings fail, there's nothing going to happen but judgment. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes stripes for the back of fools. So it's a lot better to heed God's warnings than to have to wait until His judgments and and the lash falls upon our back, doesn't it? And so uh, for Israel, uh, they had to, to learn that same lesson because of their sins. But he certainly did mete it out to the Egyptians in, in the fashion that we've already expressed by the judgments that we've mentioned here. So uh, in verse uh, 38 it says, Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. And then verse 39, He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. He gave them a pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to guide them in the way. The people asked and He brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Remember, they, asked for, they were not satisfied with the manna and they asked for quails and finally God gave them the quails so high around, all around the camp. In Psalm, let's see, I believe it's Psalm 78. Psalm 78, it says in verse uh, 27, He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowl like as the sand of the sea. And he uh, let it fall. Uh, That's verse 28. Let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations, so that it eat and were filled, for he gave them their own desire. He gave them their own desire. And it says in verse 30, They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them, and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this... They sin still and believe not for his wondrous works. You see, God's people sometimes just want too much. We become so dissatisfied. He was feeding them with manna from heaven, and they had to have the quails. They said, give us flesh to eat. And so God said, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give you plenty of it. You just be careful what you ask for. You may just finally get it. You know, you ask God for enough, he may just say, okay, if that's what you want, here it is. And then it'll make you sick. It says in in the in the book of uh, Numbers, I believe, that it ran, it came out their nostrils. Okay, you don't believe me, do you? <laughs> numbers chapter eleven, numbers eleven verse twenty. But even a whole month. Listen, let me read verse nineteen, verse eighteen. Let me read it all. It says, "And say thou unto the people." This is uh, Numbers eleven verse eighteen. Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, "Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt. It was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. You shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you." Well, that that's sickening, isn't it? Because that which you have despised. Because that, that ye have despised the Lord, which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? When they complained to God, God says, All right, that's what you want. You know, we get so lustful about things that sometimes we get just what we deserve. So it ought to teach us a lesson. It ought to teach us a lesson to, to uh, trust God and his providence and not be so anxious about everything else. These people that are always seeking these psychics and these various people to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Listen, God, in His providence, has that lined out for you. So why do you worry about it? He's got it all fixed for you. So don't go barring trouble. You don't need it that bad. In verse 40, the people asked, back in our text, ask and He brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and the waters gushed out. They ran in dry places like a river." They begin to complain about the water, and God says, Moses, you take your rod and smite the rock. And he smote the rock, and the waters gushed out. And like a river there's plenty of waters, water is abundant and free. God gave them water to drink. Now look, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. You know, God remembers the promises and the covenant that he has made. Regardless of our sinfulness and our shortcomings, God's still going to keep his word. God is faithful, and He'll keep His word. And He brought forth His people with joy, and His chosen with gladness, and gave them the land, the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people, that they might observe His statutes and keep His laws. Praise ye the Lord. So God, in His faithfulness, uh, would see them through. Look in Psalm 106. By the way, Psalm 106, uh, we see a great God in a sinful nation. And yet we find out it starts with praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Why we should praise the Lord is because he's good and because he's merciful. You know, we ought to realize the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Verse 2 says, Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth his praises? Can any of us enumerate all the mighty acts and deeds of God? We couldn't count. We sing a song. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. If you started counting them and naming them one by one, you'd miss a lot of them because we can't count God's blessings. They're too many, too too many to enumerate. In verse three, blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Notice God's blessings are upon obedient saints. Blessed are they that keep judgment. And he that doeth righteousness, and does it mean just once in a while? At all times. If we could learn as Christians to be consistent in our uh, worship of God and in our service to God, at all times, we could be saying, blessed are they. We would be blessed. Verse 4, Remember me, Lord, when the favor that thou bearest unto thy people will visit me with thy salvation. Some spiritual blessings need to be sought after. He says, Remember me, O Lord, with with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. What you bear to other people, you remember to me. And visit me with Thy salvation. That I may see the good of Thy chosen. That I may rejoice in the gladness of Thy nation. That I may glory with Thine inheritance. Three things. Notice these blessings that are enjoyed. That I may see the good of Thy chosen. Look, Thy chosen. And then thy nation, Rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, That I my glory with thine inheritance. It's all God's. Thy chosen, thy nation, thine inheritance. Verse 6, We have sinned with our fathers, We have committed iniquity, We have done wickedly. And certainly they should have repented, Because they had sinned against God. It says, Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt, They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, But provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea, the sin of doubt, doubting God. They didn't understand what God was doing. Remember, they came up against the Red Sea. They said, oh, it's Pharaoh's army's behind us, and we're this far out, and we're in the wilderness, and uh, would to God we had died in in, in the wilderness, in Egypt, rather than to be in this wilderness. We'd rather be back in Egypt. And... They were complaining and murmuring. And when they were doing that, God was just about to open up a way for them to cross over. And it says, they understood not his wonders in Egypt, thy wonders in Egypt. Even the judgments he brought, they misinterpreted those. And then they remembered not the multitude of his mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, I like that word, he saved them for His name's sake. God says, I'm going to do it in spite of their murmuring. You know, I'm going to do it anyway. People wonder about their salvation, you know, they say. You know, I've done so many, I'm, I'm kind of mean, and I'm stubborn, and I, I fail God here and there, and I've done this and that and the other, and we name all, and we should be conscious of our sins and confess them to God, receive forgiveness. But you know, then that doubt enters in, and they say, well, I don't think I'll even make it as bad as I am. But you know, God says, You're going to make it because I promised you would. I'm going to do it for my name's sake. Your sins, little children, your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. 1 John. For His name's sake. God says, I'm going to give you my word that in His name there is forgiveness of sins. And so He's going to do it for His name's sake. And He doesn't want to to be made a laughing stock of the enemy of the enemies of the heathen nations, or even Satan, our archenemy, the devil's not going to make a laughingstock of God. By saying you said started out to save these people and you didn't do it, God says, oh, I'm going to save them anyway. See, I believe in security. I believe God, if God has given you His Word that He's going to save you, He's going to save you. and And it's in spite of our sins and shortcomings. It's not because of them that we're... Uh, saved, but it's in spite of it, and he's going to, to make a way for us to repent and turn to God. I don't mean that you should uh, sin and not repent to God. I don't mean that uh, you should even contemplate sinning against God. But I do mean that when we do sin, there is a provision for our salvation. God has made provision for us. The Bible says, My little children, First John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And he says, and if any man sin, we haven't we John himself. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sin, the mercy, sin. and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he says, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if it, but if any man sin. We have an advocate with the Father. Advocate means one to plead our cause. Now look, Jesus Christ the righteous, He pleads our cause, not upon our righteousness, but upon His righteousness. See, the advocate is Jesus Christ the righteous. And we are in Him. And He says, Father, forgive them because of my righteousness for their sakes. And God has imputed Christ's righteousness unto us. And He says, I want you to look upon them and forgive them of their sins through what I've done. Not because they're any good, not because they're sinless, but because He is righteous. Okay, where were we? What verse were we in? Down there in verse Verse 8. Nevertheless, He saved them for His name's sake, that He might make known His mighty power that he might make his mighty power to be known. Remember, he told Pharaoh, he says, for this this cause have I raised thee up. God raised Pharaoh up, that I might show in thee my power. See, Pharaoh was raised up. But he wasn't raised up unto salvation because he he was rebelling against God. And he didn't believe God. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? He didn't believe God. And he rebelled against God. But God raised him up into a place of power in order that he might show in him, God might show in Pharaoh his power, that he had power to redeem his children, the children of Israel, from uh, the power of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And he showed that power in bringing the children of Israel out from under that power of Pharaoh. He said uh, in verse uh, 9. Did I skip that? He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through. No, I didn't. I read the last part of verse 8. Verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. In other words, God spoke a word, and that sea opened up, and they went through on dry ground, dry shod. And then when the Egyptians started through, Pharaoh and his chariots, while well, he let the water loose and drowned them. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemies. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Well, when God does a, do- a job of, uh, of judgment, he doesn't need any addition. He completes it totally. You think God's not a God of judgment. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of love. He loved all those that would turn to him. By the way, You say, well, you know, what about the Egyptians? There was a mixed multitude that came on Moses' side and said, we want to be saved too. He didn't kill all the Egyptians. Some of them came out. They came out with Moses and the children of Israel. They said, we don't like this uh, tyrant that's ruling over us, and we don't like this tyranny. We want out of here too. And God spared them. And they would have been all right had not they begin to lust and cause the mixed multitude caused the children of Israel to do this lusting. So it shows; it goes to show you that if the heart's not changed, just a physical deliverance is not enough. And so these people cause God's people to sin again. And by the way, when you mix out in the world and you get the mixture of the world out there, they're going to lead you in the wrong direction, friend. There is such a thing as separation to God. There is such a thing as believing that that uh, God's Word causes His people to be a separate people. And uh, and that doesn't mean we're to be isolated from the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're in the world, but not of it. Jesus says, Father, I pray, now listen, John chapter 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. The Lord doesn't want us out of this world, but He wants us to be kept from the evil of it. And when you come across whirlings and their way of living, it's your business to discern that this is the wrong thing and say, look, I'm going to live for God and I don't want the, the liquor and the dope and the drugs and the harlotry and the perversion and all that's going wrong. That's out of my life. I don't have anything to do with that. It's up to you to make up your mind that that's not for you. You know, God's people need to be a holy people. You say, preacher, is this a holiness church? No, but it should be holy. I'll guarantee you, God, God says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. He wants us to be sanctified and turn to Him. You say, well, that means perfect. No, it doesn't mean perfect. It means dedicated and sanctified. Set, by the way, if you go back and read from First Peter, which says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, you go back in the reference in the Old Testament, you'll find that it means being set apart to God. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means being wholly set, set apart to God. And so every Christian ought to do that. And that doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. But it does mean you're going to be sanctified or set apart. So we find this uh, verse, it says, um, The waters covered their enemies, there was not one of them left. Verse 12, Then believed they his words, they sang his praise. Then, after a long time, their deliverance was complete. Remember at one time Jesus said, Do you now believe do you now believe? They've come a long way. That's John 16, verse 31, by the way. Do you now believe? It takes us a long time to be convinced. But when we are, we say, if, if it takes that, when we are, we ought to stick by it, shouldn't we? And so, uh, they didn't though. They believed His Word, but they only their belief was only temporary. Then verse 13, look at this. They soon forget His works. They said, we believe. Then believe, look. Connect verse 12 and 13. Read those together. Then believe they His words, they sang His praise. Look at verse 13. They soon forget His works, they waited not for His counsel. They believed, but they still wouldn't listen to Him. How many people do we deal with that say, Oh, I believe. And God says, You ought to do this. will not have anything to do with His counsel. We've got people all over Redoes that say they believe. I'm telling you, you can run across... Almost anyone you run across, they're a Christian. And they believe. And you start talking to them about the things of God, and they soon forget His works. Right? And they seek not His counsel. They don't want anything to do with His counsel. If you want God's Word, if you listen to God's Word, it will give you all the counsel and guidance you'll need. But when people rebel against it, and that's what happens too many times, they soon forget. People are so soon to forget, aren't they? His works. They waited not for His counsel. They waited not. I like that. For His counsel. We get in such a hurry that we can't wait for God's counsel. You know, God's in no hurry. He's got everything under control from the beginning to the end, completely. And we get in such a fizz that we think we've got to do it right now, you know. But if we'll just wait on God, everything will open up in due time, in the proper time, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. There was 400 years of silence between Malachi and the New Testament. Can you imagine what 400 years is? This nation is what? 200 years old. A little plus. Think of it. 400 years. 400 years. Think of what 400 years is. That's a long time, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you, if we would realize... That, that God is in control, things we, would, we would be willing to wait instead of being in such a hurry to get everything done. So we find that uh, it says here in verse uh, 13, They soon forget his works, they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent a leanness into their soul. They envied, envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of, of Abiram. Look at that! The ones that rebelled against God's people turned against him because they thought they could do better than Moses. Moses says, "If I'm not God's servant, well, God is. If I am God's servant, He's going to do a new thing. He's going to open up the earth and swallow you fellows up." He went out there and God opened up the earth and swallowed up the whole company of them. And the reason he did it is because they envied Moses, also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. You know, sometimes you find people come along and they'll say, Preacher, I can do that just as good as you can. Well, maybe you can. God's called you. Maybe you can do it better than I can if God's called you. But the thing about it is, if God didn't call you, don't try it you know what I mean? And, but if he calls you, you do the best you can. Take the talent and the ability and the knowledge and his blessings and go with it. But don't ever come along and tell me you can when you're still uh, not called of God. And just to, to stir up trouble and think you know. See, they thought they knew more than Moses. They come along at Moses, you know, aren't all God's people supposed to prophesy? He said, I wish they were all prophets. But unfortunately, they weren't not all prophets, were they? Some of them were not. And boy, he ran across all kinds of opposition in what he was doing. I've had a little bit of that in my lifetime. Randy has too, I'm sure. But anyway, the earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Byron. And the fire was kindled in their company and the flame burned up the wicked. They... They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Remember what they said? When they made the calf, they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. When they made that golden calf, they said, this is, We attribute our deliverance to this statue of gold. They desired it to be made, and, Mos- and uh, Aaron uh, concurred with them. Remember old Aaron? When Moses came down off the mountain, and Aaron said, you know, the people wanted me to do this, and, and he said, uh, I took all the gold, and he said, I throwed it in the fire, and out came this calf. That's the way he put it. And the Bible says he fashioned it with a graven to, grain to Aaron fashioned it, and made it a molten calf, a graven image. And, but he, see, he was trying to make light of the sin that he had committed. You know, I, you know the people wanted this, and I did this, and you know I had to listen to them, and I throwed it in the fire, and it, out came this calf, just as if it came walking out. It didn't do that, did it? All of them were involved in the sin. God was disappointed with them. Well, our time is gone. We'll have to pick up here in this verse, let's see, uh, verse uh, 19 in our next lesson. Verse nineteen in the next lesson. Thank you for your patience and your kind attention.